This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. What's your name, kid? The Human Spider. The Human Spider, that's it? That's the best you got? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. Oh, yeah. up what is up what is up welcome to the marking out podcast damn does it feel good to say that also a hearty hello to all our loyal indie alley listeners who are wondering what the hell did i stumble upon um this is andrew from the indie alley podcast weekly show i do along with my co-host fred and his son joey donuts so what do we have here for the new listeners? They're wondering, well, what the heck? And the old listeners wondering, also, what the heck? The Indie Alley Podcast is a podcast where we talk about independent comics and independent wrestling. We use the term independent a little loosely, to be honest. We do talk about comics like Image and Valiant, who may not fall in the independent side of things. And we also talk about AEW, New Japan, which aren't really indie wrestling. Basically, to boil it down, we don't talk about Marvel, DC, and WWE on that show. That show is a show about current um, news stories, current comics, current storylines in the different promotions. Um, we get into news. We have a good little bit of pop culture. We mix in a movie or two once in a while. So basically, it's our love of comic books and wrestling, and we join it together in our presentation in the way we um set up our segments just to, just because we both we we really love those two things and we wanted to come up with a show that involved both of those things now this show is kind of an extension of that it's a spin-off i guess is what i would call it and i'm praying that it's a wwe smackdown type spin-off and not a wcw Thunder type spinoff. At least those are my hopes going into this. Basically, I'm going to get deeper into comics. Uh, the common denominator when we put the other show together, I asked podcast partner Fred, "Well, what's what? How do we do that? Why does that work?" And and really simply, he said, "Well, stories." And it's true. Good wrestling, good comics have that common theme, which is the ability to tell a good story. And in Thinking about that over, we've been podcasting on that show for over a year. I came to the realization that there was a lot of great wrestling comic book stories out there, but very few of them are current. They've been out for a while, or I missed them because they might be a Kickstarter or something smaller. Um, we are focusing on one called um, Over the Ropes um, that is by Jay Sandlin from Mad Cave Studios. And that one's current, so we mix it into our show when it comes out. But there's so much more, and I always wanted to do more, and it just never fit in the show. When I thought about all these different comics that involve wrestling, I thought to myself, well, it's never going to fit. And a lot of this you know, came to me during the early parts of um, self-isolation. When you're at home, there's nothing to do. New comics were not coming out. The only shows were AEW and um, WWE 
And I had all this time on my hands and I thought, well, I need to do something. So I came up with this idea. Now, I thought I had time on my hands. Now that everything's opening up, it's going to be a little tougher to pull this off. But I still think I can do it and I'm excited to try. But anyway, it really kind of opened my eyes that I wasn't talking about some things I wanted to talk about. So I said, well, I'm going to I'm going to come up with this other side podcast (laughs) as my buddy Fred on the other side, my side piece. I'm not breaking up the band, folks. I'm not, this isn't a Lennon and McCarthy thing. This is more, I'm, I'm George Harrison here. I, I got a couple of funky songs I need to get out and I need to lay down the tracks to and, and get it out of my system. And that's kind of what this is. It'll, it, I, I hope to get this um, at least twice a month. If I can get it going, maybe weekly, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But it's basically a place for me to get into comics and wrestling because comics and wrestling interact in so many ways that I had never really thought about. I just you know, went through my life and they interacted. But as, you know, I did the, start doing Indie Alley, I could see more and more interactions. Like, you know, there's different ways that it happens. For example, there's the comic book origin and there's the mainstream superhero comic that incorporates wrestling as a spit of a storyline, as an inspiration for gear or a costume, possibly a fighting move, um, a villain, but something very um, general and something very just a small storyline. It's not usually not long arcs. There's a couple times that there's been a long arc, but for the most part, it's just a real quick hit. But then there's also comics that are about wrestlers, real or fictional. The wrestling and the wrestler are the focal point of this comic. And there's different kinds. There's some that are just a regurgitation of storylines that have happened in in the ring. And then there's others that are very creative and they create new characters. These characters become heroes. They become villains. There's, There's just different ways they use them. And as I started... Looking, I started discovering more and more of these comics, and I wanted to read, you know, Kickstarters, um, smaller publishers. So you get things like Cheeto Comics, for example. Cheeto Comics does a lot of comics that involves luchadors, and these are real luchadors. This is Rey Mysterio, Conan, the Lucha Bros, but they're set in situations that are fictional, and they're presented like um, mercenaries or superheroes or... You know, just fun comic book adventures. Then there's maybe something like um, what Headlock Comics does. Headlock Comics tells stories about the wrestling business. Their main comics about a, it's a coming to age comic about someone who wants to be a wrestler. Many actual wrestlers have been involved in writing and assisting in a lot of the storylines. And to me, they're they're really indie because they're doing this. You know, there, there's no WWE, there's no Marvel, DC involved in what they're doing. They're, they're putting something together and they go to the cons and they've built this up. So that's one I really like as well. Then you have from Suspicious Behavior, you have WrestleTopia. Invas- Invasion from the Planet WrestleTopia is the full name of the comic. And this is a fantastical, fun, humorous comic about a planet where the wrestler who's the, who's the champion is like all powerful and he decides to invade and become... And declares himself the ruler of the planet that's another fun example of wrestling being the main storyline wrestlers being the main characters but it's still comic book fun whether it's telling a more down-to-earth true story or it's telling a fantastical story that really is a lot of fun and those are the ones i look for a lot but then we also have wrestlers who write comics themselves for example cm punk has written drax the destroyer and his wife A.J. Mendes, formerly known as the wrestler A.G. Lee, 
has worked on a comic for Glow, for Boom Studios. Uh, she co-wrote that with Amy Lee Garcia, um, an actress on the TV show um, Lucifer. And they are both working on an unnamed project right now, if you follow her Twitter. So those are two examples of people who are working, creating comics. Uh, Mick Foley has written a comic. Kevin Nash has written comics. So there's a few wrestlers out there who have taken their ability to tell stories in the ring and transferred it to a telling stories in a comic book. So there's that angle, looking at how they've gotten into comics, because wrestlers are creative people. They write storylines, they come up with storylines, they become producers and bookers and such. So it's logical that they, some of them could take it and become quality comic book writers. And finally, I want to look at the interaction between Hollywood and wrestlers and comics. You know, we have um, The Rock. Someday, eventually, who the hell knows when, if DC ever gets their shit together, will be playing Black Adam. We have Bautista has played Drax very successfully. There have been other times on television shows and on streaming services and different things where wrestlers have been involved in this as well. For example, let's see, John Morrison has done some stuff. Adam Copeland has portrayed a villain on the CW's Flash. And most famously, you have the friendship between Cody Rhodes and Stephen Armell. Uh, Cody Rhodes had a reoccurring character on Arrow, and Stephen Armell has been in the ring with Cody in the WWE and the precursor to AEW All In. So these are just some times where everything has collided in a way to influence the storytelling, which we come back to once again, storytelling. In comics and storytelling, it's always there. Whether in Lucha Underground, a fantastical world that incorporates, incorporates what's becoming very popular, the cinematic wrestling universe, or just a basic something like a Hurricane Helms. You know, characters that came to the ring as superheroes or just having gear inspired by superheroes so i want to get into all that i want to wrap it into this one podcast and it's a chance to just kind of introduce you to some new stuff some tidbits of history some comics you might be interested in reading indie comic fans steer you to some good comics wrestling fans steer you to another way to look at wrestling uh so join me on this little adventure that i've come up with let's get into it man my first one is going to be the spider hey freak show you're going nowhere. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of play time. So by the title of this episode, you can tell who I'm featuring. We're going to look at Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Not Miles, but Peter. Though I just talked about all these great <laughs> independent comics about stories about wrestlers, I want to start a little more mainstream and lay down the history before we get into that. So the logical spot for me to start is Spider-Man. Because wrestling plays an integral part in Spider-Man's origin. Uh, it's pretty much well known to anyone who's ever seen the Spider-Man movie. Comic book reader and fan of Spider-Man knows that Spider-Man's origin began with him getting in the ring and beating a wrestler for some money. There's different versions of what happens after that and the consequences of him doing that and his motivation for doing that. But for the most part, it's a well-known story. It's an easy way, looking back, when I think about it, for the comic book writers and creators of that era to um, create a reference point for the reader 
to understand how strong, how quick, how good of a fighter these heroes are. Because you see it in those old Golden Age comics. You see Superman in the ring with boxers and um, wrestlers. You see Batman. You see different heroes, the thing. Um, because the wrestler and the boxer were the strong man of that era. The weightlifter was probably around, but for the most part, it was those, the brawler, the wrestler. And so it's a quick way for the creator of the comic to tell you a storyline a storyline very quickly that that lets you know you know how strong spider-man is so spider-man gets in this ring in um, amazing um, fantasy 15 the original spider-man comic he gets in the ring with this big brute of a man he's a big you know guy he looks like a king kong bundy type and it's only a few pages i mean because the comic itself the story itself is not very long Spider-Man's origin, but very quickly he he gets in there. His motivation is to make money, to buy a car. So he decides this is how he's going to use these new powers he's discovered after being bit by the spider. He gets in there. He beats this wrestler very quickly. Uh, we have the um, introduction and in our first appearance of Crusher Hogan, who is the wrestler that he beats, who we're going to see reappear multiple times in comics involving Spider-Man. Because the one thing that's probably a little different with all these Spider-Man appearances that involve wrestling is they're basically a retelling, a reimagining, a different um, creator's vision of this event. Very little of the, the Spider-Man wrestling comics are new material. Occasionally we do. We get, we get maybe a revisiting um, in the future about um, Crusher Hogan, things he's gone through. And there is a storyline that's a bit Elseworld that we'll get into later. But for the most part, it's a retelling of that event that happened. Some people turn it into a five-comic book arc. Some people just modernize it. It's basically... but So the original comic is Stan Lee and Steve Ditko did the art. Um, Kirby did the cover, because Stan Lee famously did not like um, Ditko's cover. And... Like I said, very simple. He gets in the ring. He beats him for the money. He wears like um, a webbed mask over his face. And he keeps his identity secret. The one thing that in this one is then he is booked on kind of like a Letterman type um, talk show. And it's there at the show, after the show, that famously the thief is running to the elevator. And the security guard, the police officer, asks spider-man to stop him and he doesn't and spider-man famously lets him go down the ring because he doesn't care or peter lets him go down the ring the, the ring the elevator because he doesn't care and eventually this is the person that kills uncle ben so that's you know a big part of spider-man's origin uncle ben dying very quick very to the point now let's kind of jump forward to um Brian Gemmas, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Mark Bagley, and Art Tibbert's version in Ultimate Spider-Man. They do the storyline over two comics in issue three and four. This is a very modern imagining of how that ep event went down. Uh, they actually named the Wrestling Federation UCW, which we don't know what it stands for. Peter attends the show with his friends from high school. Flash is there. Mary Jane is there. And he gets the idea because he's, he's you know, he's, he wants to be popular. So it isn't about the money right away. He wants to be popular. You know, he wears sweatpants. He, um, he has a red sweatshirt. He has a black and red mask. 
and he gets in the ring and he beats him rather quickly. The promoter is like, wow, he gives him the money, he begs him to return. Peter does want to go back, and in going back, he gets a second match, and he ends up winning the title. But there's some interesting things that happen that I think are good at kind of showing Peter's character at that time. He goes into business for himself. They have a planned way of how the match is going to be done, uh, giving away some trade secrets, I guess. But, you know, wrestling is scripted. And Peter ignores all of it and just does whatever he wants and beats him. Goes into business and he becomes uh, because Peter is a bit selfish at this time. This is when he's in his mode of like, I have all these powers, I can do what I want, I don't have to listen to anybody. Like I said, it only lasts for a couple of um issues because very quickly he's accused of stealing some petty cash from the promoter's office. The wrestlers go to attack him, they chase him out, he, he jumps out a window, he gets away, and he basically says, My wrestling career is over, and we're never revisited. One thing, and something that happens in these retellings that purists hate, is they change a couple of things that are part of um, canon, and people hate that. In this particular story, it's the wrestling promoter that gives uh, Peter his first costume. So the costume was created by the wrestling promoter himself. It lacked the webbing, but it has the colors and the design. Purist will hate that. That's by that Peter did not make the costume himself, but so be it. The next one that we get into is Spider-Man with Great Power. This is a five-issue arc, and it deals with the time from Peter being bit to before Uncle Ben dies. So this one has a lot of wrestling. It's all about his time in the wrestling ring. It's uh, David Lampan, Tony Harris, Jim Clark, and J.D. Mettler. Um, this one is not my favorite. It's an acquired taste. It's a very dark story, uh, a bit of a crime noir. There's mob involved. Um, I don't like Peter in this. Peter is really, really lacking self-confidence in this, to the point that he's, he's really depressing. The whole thing story in general is very depressing and very dark but again it hits on these tones of him not wanting to be a hero but his reasons are a little different in this it's more fear it's partially selfishness but it's also he doesn't even grasp what it is to be a hero there's a there's a moment in one of the issues where he's on a date on a rooftop and the fantastic four are kind of like he can see him in the distance they're saving the city from something and, and the girl says well you could be like that and he's all no no i'm not like them and you know famously the fantastic four also don't have a secret identity which is a juxtaposition with spider-man who always had to hide who he was but yeah so you have this story there's this woman that um i don't know she's like she creates the costumes she's an older woman that kind of takes care of the wrestlers and she kind of takes peter under her wing kind of socially because she wants to make money off him but also it seems like there's a romantic interest it's really weird and she's involved with the mob she's the one that gives him the costume yeah it, it, it's just really weird um he has this very dark relationship with uncle ben um but all this is before you know uncle ben dies so it's just a real quick telling of what happened in the week you know his motivations are get, are to um, make money to buy a car one interesting thing is he creates the web shooters as a way to enter the ring in a more interesting style. So he does like the sting entrance. He's coming down from the top rafters using the webbing. Um, so that's kind of a different take on why he created the web, <laughs> the web shooters versus, you know, creating him to like fight for good and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it's not my favorite. Like I said, it's really dark. Um, I don't like 
different things, but it has a lot of wrestling of of, of the ones that we've seen before. Um, this one really tells a wrestling tale. There's a lot of time spent in the ring. Uh, Crusher Hogan himself is kind of drawn different than he is in the other ones. He's got the long curly locks, kind of looking like a Kerry Von Erich. Definitely um, a product of his era. Yeah. Uh, I can't, art-wise, I like this one, but I really can't recommend this one to read. Um, definitely not my favorite. Then we're going to move on to some things that are, are, are more based on, um, oh no, one other one. One that I didn't like at all. I'm sorry, The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, it's 2014. There's five issues. This is Dan Slott, Ramon Perez, and Ian Herring. He does this weird story. It's very modernized, so we have YouTube and things involved in that. We got a fanboy. And there's this kid that is really enamored with Spider-Man the Wrestler and films him and wants to be him. It kind of reminds me of The Incredibles. Buddy. Remember Buddy from The Incredibles, how he wanted to be Incredible Boy and stuff? This guy makes a suit and tries to help fight crime with Spider-Man and messes things up. He's, it's just a nightmare, and eventually becomes Spider-Man's villain. Yeah, I'd skip this one altogether, but I mention it because it's another, t- it's another telling of the original story. All right, now we're going to move on to some ones that aren't a retelling. They're about Crusher Hogan. So Crusher Hogan is the wrestler that Spider-Man fights. So in the space, um, Amazing Spider-Man 217 um, by Dan Falco, Ron Frentz, and Joseph Rubenstein, it's, it's titled Whatever Happened to Cruiser Hogan. And Cruiser Hogan is now an older man. He's the guy that mops and, and sweeps the floor at a, at a boxing school, um, for lack of a better word. I'm trying to think, you know, where you go to train to be a boxing, a boxing gym. And... He tells these fantastical stories of, you know, he helped train Spider-Man. He made Spider-Man's first costume, all this stuff. And most people, you know, yeah, sure, sure, you're making it up. But this one young boxer believes him. And eventually Spider-Man crosses paths with him. And Spider-Man has to, you know, help him. And and the kid says, well, yeah, I remember when he taught you all that stuff and made all the gear, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man realizes what's going on. And he keeps the story going on. It's kind of just a feel-good story about um, Crusher Hogan. Kind of neat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it is wrestling. One thing I'm going to say is the art is always good for all these. So to see some really cool Spider-Man wrestling art, for that alone, I might seek them out. But sometimes the, the stories are so-so, and that was one I would skip story-wise. Now, this one coming up next is my favorite of all the Spider-Man wrestling comics. And if you're going to read anything, I would recommend reading this. This is Spider-Man's Tangled Web 14. It's titled The Shoot. It is Brian Azzarello, Scott Levy, Giuseppe Comunucci, and Stephen Bocellato. I'm sorry, Bocellato. These were um, an anthology series. They used fa- they used various creative teams, not usually associated with Spider-Man. They usually came from places like Vertigo. So they were one shots, or they were short stories. And Spider-Man is not the major character in the story. He's, he's a side character. And this one deals with Crusher. And it's all about wrestling in a really... This is a wrestling comic. 100% a wrestling comic. Crusher Hogan, he, he's, he's lean, he's mean. He looks like a Killer Cross type guy. He's working at this small promotion. The promoter pulls him in and says, I can't afford you anymore. You need to take the deal with a bigger promotion. Um, I wish I could. And he's like, no, no, I'm not leaving you. I have loyalty. We're going to figure something out. So he gets this idea. He goes out there. He cuts a promo on um, 
the crowd, you know, totally goes one of them heel shoots. That's why it's called the shoot where, you know, you guys are, ah, you guys are horrible. You're just, you don't even care. You don't respect me. I can beat all of you and all this stuff comes back. The crowd, of course, is popped. They, they, you know, they're going to sell out. It's perfect. He comes up with the idea where he, he goes to a, a loan shark and he borrows some money and they use that money to put up. Like if anybody, any fan can beat me, you get this money. And, and so it was a storyline to put himself over and to save the wrestling company. It ends with the final panel of basically what you get in the original Spider-Man comic of Peter jumping over the ropes with, you know, the webbed mask about to fight him. So you see Crush's motivation for why they came up with this storyline. He was basically trying to save his promotion and he borrowed this money from a loan shark. And, you know, <laughs> it, 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 we never really see the consequences of that. You know, how Sp- Spider-Man Peter wrecked his life that day. But this is really a wrestling. He has this great line early on. He talks about that he's a shooter and what, is, what it means to be a shooter. Meaning that he really hurts people for reals in the ring. It's just, it really is a wrestling story. So, if you're going to read one, look for Spider-Man Tangled Web 14. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Now we're going to move on to some things that finally get away from Crusher. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man Masks, number six and seven. We have the introduction of, okay, first Peter David, Roger Cruz, Victoria Olazaba, um, and Chris Sotomayor. We get the introduction of El Muerte, a character. Um, His name is Juan Carlos Estrada Sanchez. He's from Magdalena de Quino, Sonora, Mexico. Basically, you know, very traditional, if you've seen the Lucha Underground, kind of style like Mexican folklore storyline for him. You know, his mask is handed down from his dad, who was handed down from his dad before that, and the mask gives you powers. His father, he, he's a coward when he's young, when it's his time to get the mask, and he had to fight this character called El Dorado, and his father had to sacrifice his life for him. So he has to redeem himself, and one day where he has to redeem himself is find another hero and face him in the ring mask versus mask. So he challenges Spider-Man to a match. Um, he pretty much is having Spider-Man beat in this match. It's like in, it's in New York. It's probably like Madison Square Garden type match. And Spider-Man cheats because this is a time when Spider-Man has a Tony Stark oh, built suit. And um, he uses these stingers that come out and they sting um, El Muerte and they paralyze him. And that's how Spider-Man beats him. Otherwise, Spider-Man would have lost. Yeah, we go to the second comic in the arc, and the El Dorado's coming to claim him and kill him. But Spider-Man comes and saves the day, so together they beat him. Very simple luchador story. He's there for two issues. He's in and out. It's drawn beautifully. Um, you know, your typical, like I said, luchador story. But I think I wanted to highlight it because it's it's not about Christopher Hogan. And then last of all, I'm going to mention Spider-Man, House of M., one through five. Um, we all know House of M, where um, Wanda changes the world to a world that mutants are in charge and, and humans are not are the lower class and they're persecuted. In this world, Peter Parker becomes a famous actor and wrestler. So it's just kind of interesting that he's a wrestler, a very successful wrestler through this arc. Other than that, there's not a lot of wrestling related stuff. Crusher Hogan's his best bud. He goes by the ring name the Gold, um, the Green Goblin. Blah blah blah. Pretty simple. Probably doesn't necessarily have to be read. It's Mark Wade, Tom Pear, Salvador La Roca, and Danny Miki. Yeah, so that those are the Spider-Man comics. 
really fast, I want to hit film because I think film is probably where we know things the most. Um, in Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man by Sam Raimi, um, Sam Raimi plays, I mean, not Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell plays um, the promoter and the announcer. And in the comics, Sam Raimi uses him to name Spider-Man. You know, he famously says that, you know, just call me, you know, the spider and stuff. And he goes, that, that thing sucks, kid. And he changes his name. And then we get the really cool cameo of um, the Macho Man Randy Savage playing the wrestler. What's interesting, though, is we changed the name to Bonesaw McGraw. I would love to know the story why that had to be changed. Was it a legal rights issue with Hogan? WWE possibly not allowing them to use the Hogan name? Or, I really doubt Randy Savage would want to be called Hogan. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe it was a Savage thing. Maybe he himself said, no, you're not calling me Hogan. We need to come up with a name. The name. So it's the one time that instead of Crusher Hogan, we have someone called Bonesaw McGraw. I just think it's really cool um, because it, it in, of all the, the movies, it's the one that really um, focuses on the wrestling the most. Because we move on to, you know, like Amazing Spider-Man 1, Mark Webb's story. It's very quick. He's, um, he falls through a roof. He falls into an old abandoned warehouse. And he sees luchador masks on the wall. He falls into a ring. And then there's the implication as we kind of move on forward that the mask, he's drawing the mask, that that mask influenced his costume. And there is some, there are some people that believe that that, that run that we talked about earlier, um, Spider-Man with Great Power, influenced Mark Webb because the, the costume is very similar to that costume, the wrestling costume, and the way that Peter interacts with uh, Uncle Ben in that comic is very similar to the way he chose to have Andrew Garfield and um, Martin Sheen interacted. So that's just an interesting tip. And then finally we have Spider-Man Far From Home, and there is a moment in that movie where there's a poster in the background, and that poster has a promo for a wrestling match for Crusher Hogan versus Bonesaw. So basically, both Bonesaw and Crusher Hogan are now MCU canon. While they don't necessarily become part of Spider-Man's origin, it was a neat little Easter egg um, mixed in. That's pretty cool. All right. So we've gone into the comics, how the wrestling involved the comics, and the wrestling involved the movie about the comics. Now let's talk about the wrestlers themselves. Wearing Spider-Man gear is an obvious choice for wrestlers. Um, so it's happened many times, especially in Mexico. Luchadors, South America, Mexico have used, used the Spider-Man gear a lot. You know, it's, it's a, it's a no-brainer. But I'm going to kind of highlight a few times that famous wrestlers that we all know also put on the Spider-Man gear. Rey Mysterio Jr., obviously. He has worn many superhero costumes, but he did wear Spider-Man. Early in his career, in both ECW and WCW, Spider-Man wore a red and blue outfit similar to Spider-Man. But it was not until much, much later that he actually put the true Spider-Man gear on, and it was for just a house show in MSG. But he totally went Spider-Man, and he looks pretty badass, of course. It also has a luchador flair. Like Ray would do it. Next, we're going to go to Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano wore kind of a Venom Spider-Man mix. And he wore it in the NXT TakeOver um, Brooklyn match. And it's, it's cool. Uh, it's not my favorite. But Gargano has a history of also cosplaying and 
different gears in his ring. He's, you know, because we're going to go on to the next one as he faces Ricochet. And in, in, in the Phoenix takeover, Ricochet uh, wears a Miles Morales-inspired gear when he faces Gargano for the North American Championship. And Gargano wears a Dark Phoenix-inspired gear. So that's pretty cool. They kind of geek out and do things. And who else but Ricochet? to be, you know, playing as a superhero and dressed as Spider-Man. But not to be outdone from when you gotta have Ricochet, you gotta have Osprey. So will Osprey himself also wore Spider-Man gear? He wore Spider-Man gear in New Japan when he was facing Kushida, um, the junior heavyweight champion at the time. And this was the one, first time that Osprey beat Kushida was wearing the Spider-Man gear. So Spider-Man gear is good luck for Osprey. And last but not least, um, Cedric Alexander has also worn a Miles Morales-inspired um, costume. He's done other heroes, but he did a Miles and Miles, and it was um, against um, Hidemo Atami um, on 205 Live. It was for the Cruiserweight Championship. He was the championship at the time, and he successfully defended it. Last of all, I came across this last little tidbit that made me laugh. So, coming off of WrestleMania, um, Jericho and Triple H were going to have a match for Hell in a Cell. And they needed to come up with a new way to get on top of the cell. You know, lots of things to be done. And this was in 2002, around the time the first Spider-Man movie was out. And I guess Vince had seen the movie. So Vince suggested that they um, shoot webs out of their arms and their gear. To, and that would somehow pull them up to the top of the cell. <laughs> Jericho talks about this in his autobiography. Uh, luckily, they talked Vince out of this. And we didn't get... Jericho shooting webs out of his um, can you imagine Le Champion swinging to the ring or God forbid Triple H who never cracks a smile nah that would have been bad would have been real bad that's all I got I hope you had fun I hope you come back next time I'm gonna get into um, the Fantastic Four's um, Ben Grimm the thing no one has probably been in a wrestling storyline more than Ben Grimm unlike Spider-Man these are not origin stories for Ben Grimm He's a scrapper, he's a fighter, he's a boxer. It's what he loves to do best. He's had long storylines of wrestling, some storylines involving boxing. He does a great Dusty Rhodes imitation um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy comic, for example. So I'm real excited to get into the ever-loving thing. Also, if you're a creator that has a new comic coming out, or you're a creator that just loves wrestling and wants to talk wrestling, hit me up on my DMs at RealComics on Twitter. You can find um, the podcast's um, Twitter page at Marking Out Show. You could also follow the Mothership Show at Indie Alley. And don't forget to um, look for our podcast at nerdylegion.com. Subscribe. You get us. You get the Bright Side Podcast. You get the Aftershock Podcast. There is a Valiant Podcast, Nerdy Legion. Um, Missouri Swagger. I could go on and on. There's a lot of great content for you if you're a comic book fan. So check it out. Subscribe. And Kenny, go ahead and take us out of here. I <laughs> and good night. <laughs>